The OnePlus Nord N20 is one of the least OnePlusiest OnePlus phones I've ever used, and I brought the outstanding Miriam Jouar onto the podcast to talk about it. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we're taking a look at the OnePlus Nord N20. It's a budget phone from T-Mobile that has a lot going for it, even if it's not very OnePlusy. I'll go into that more in the top story for the evening. For now, I'm just going to say the OnePlus Nord line itself is confusing to follow, so I wanted to see what it was all about. There are so many variants that I knew I needed the encyclopedic mind of Miriam to lay things out for me. She did that and more. There's no tech yeah this week because... It's been a week, and I would love to tell you more about it, but what I can tell you is that there are big changes, and they're coming for me, and it gave me some feelings this week. That's also why we have a shorter news segment as well. Well, that and it's Mother's Day. I'm sure a lot of things happened this week, but I just wasn't all that... there. I'll explain soon, I promise. But for now, let's get to what was there. This is the news... of the week. Right off the bat, I need to offer an apology to my co-producer and brother from another mother, Cliff Thomas. Last week, I made an already weak sauce joke even worse by talking about independent developers being one-man shows and commenting, I know what that's like. Now, to be fair, I have made podcasts by myself in the past, but Cliff is a tremendous help on this show. He edits. He comes on like three or four times per month to make me look a hell of a lot smarter than I actually am, and I do not deserve a podcast partner like him. But I do have him, and last week I failed him, and this is my mea culpa. Cliff, you are a jewel that I would love to have on top of my jewelry box, and I sure as hell appreciate you, and based on the feedback I've gotten from this show, the listeners appreciate you too. Love you, boo. Meta, the crappy company run by terrible people, put podcasts into their flagship product, Facebook, about a year ago. People could fire up the latest episode of Benefit of the Dowd podcast and listen to it while scrolling their endless feed of cat photos, dog videos, and racist uncles. And which of those two things was worse? Don't ask me. Actually, I'm honestly not sure if you could do that. I might have had to do something to make that happen, and... I don't give a crap about Facebook, so I never did. Whatever the case, it doesn't matter because I'll be back on even ground with the rest of the podcasting world. No harm, no foul, I guess. It's not particularly surprising that this happened. Most people don't listen to podcasts while doing other things that requires their active brain. They do it while they're driving or mowing the lawn or during sex. No, wait, I'm being told that's just me. Who knew? Anyway, it could just be me, but when I'm doing something that requires thought, like reading or writing, I can't have a podcast on in the background, or at least not one that I actually, you know, care about hearing what the hosts have to say, and maybe that's why Facebook would have been a perfect platform for yours truly. Hashtag missed opportunity. So if you're listening to this on Facebook, you won't be for long, and I'm sorry for that. And if you're listening to this during sex... I honestly don't have the words for that, and I'm not sure what that says about me. 
Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow, made his triumphant return to Twitter and was subsequently re-banned from the platform. And now, before you start thinking to yourself, whoa boy, here comes Adam, the big old liberal Democrat dunking on a Trump supporter, just slow your roll, people, okay? Now, it's true that I'm a liberal and a Democrat, and for that matter, I'm also big and old. Also, Mike Lindell is a Trump supporter, and yes, I am going to dunk on him, but you need to hear the whole story first so you can hear from whence the dunketh cometh. You see, Lindell was banned from Twitter a year ago for violating rules of misinformation and civic integrity, basically for spreading conspiracy theories about election fraud. Now, I'm not going to judge whether Twitter was wrong to do that, except Twitter was not wrong, but that's neither here nor there. Here comes the dunk. Lindell didn't get back onto Twitter by getting his account reinstated. He got it back the same way everyone else who gets banned gets it back, by creating a new account with a fake email address. And that's not really the problem. The problem is that Mike Lindell's first tweet from his new account was, Hello everybody, I'm back on Twitter. My only account is Mike J. Lindell, so please RT and follow and spread the word. Well, good news, Mike. The word was spread all the way to Twitter's offices where they promptly shut you down on your new account, too. You see, Mike, when you're banned, you don't go telling everyone that you got around the ban because guess what, dipshit? They're just going to ban you again. So the dunk isn't because of his politics or my politics or the fact that I'm fat, and I'm surprised you even brought that up. What does that have to do with anything? It's because Mike Lindell is an idiot, so now that's something that we can all agree on, right? Right. T-Mobile had another Uncarrier event this week, and let me just say, I really miss bat crap crazy John Legere. Mike Sievert, bless his heart, he really tries, but he is not nearly the showman that Legere was. But he is good, and at least I know how to pronounce his name. Uncarrier events, though, have stopped being all that exciting overall, but this one did have a few interesting nuggets. First of all, I should say, unsurprisingly, that this Uncarrier event was focused solely on T-Mobile's 5G home internet service. The highlights are, you can try it for home for free for 15 days, T-Mobile will pay your early cancellation fee from your current provider if you have one, and your price is locked in for life. To be honest, $50 per month is pretty good for potentially fast internet. Also, if you have a Magenta Max plan, which, by the way, is their most expensive plan, but that's neither here nor there, then you can add home internet for the same price of just adding another line. And for Magenta Max, that's actually $30 per month. So it's even lower, and that's a pretty sweet deal, to be honest. I wish I didn't have to be on Magenta Max because it's super expensive, but if you're already on that plan... That could be a good deal. Now, if you look at the 5G map of T-Mobile, 5G coverage actually draws a five-house-wide gap in its coverage, and guess whose house is right in the middle of that five-house gap? That's right! So I won't be getting T-Mobile's 5G home internet, but maybe you can, and that would be cool. Or maybe it'll suck, and you have 15 days to return it. Either way, it's a win. So this is pretty cool. Google, Apple, and Microsoft are all banding together to start supporting passwordless sign-ins, and all three of them have committed to using the same architecture so they'll all be compatible with each other. That's potentially pretty cool. The standard is called FIDO, as in Go Fetch FIDO, but in this case it stands for Fast Identity Online. Cute! But not as cute as Fido. Isn't that right, baby? You're such a good boy. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are such a good boy. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. 
If you want to sign into a computer that uses FIDO technology, all you have to do is unlock your phone. The phone stores a cryptographic key that is backed up online, so when you unlock your phone, you unlock your computer, or Netflix, or whatever. This is pretty cool because people are really bad at passwords and compromised passwords or easily guessed passwords. Yes, I'm looking at you, God, and 01234. They're one of the biggest perpetrators of hacks and identity theft. A phone is not so easy to break into, though one could argue that by storing an identity securely in a phone and that phone's password being 0000, that... It pretty much takes us right back to where we started. As a phone reviewer, I'm curious as to how many phones at once can store this FIDO information because I literally have as many as six or seven phones active with my account at any given time. I get it. I am an edge case. But if it's only one phone at a time, that could get dicey for me. I know this is the first worldliest of first world problems, but it's stuff like this that keeps me up at night. And then I write bad scripts and piss people off so you can see why this could become a problem. You might remember that Epic Games and Apple had a little bit of a tiff, and Epic got Fortnite kicked off of its iOS devices. Well, they're back, baby, and if you want to talk about shots fired, let's talk about shots fired. Remember how in that last story Apple and Microsoft were getting along pretty well? Yeah, that may not be the case any longer, because as of this week, you can now play Fortnite on your iPhone once again. But what does Microsoft have to do with that? <laughs> Allow me to explain. Microsoft has a cloud gaming solution called Xbox Cloud Gaming. With that service, all you need to do is log in with a browser and you can play any game in Xbox Game Pass in the cloud as long as you have Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. But now, even if you don't have a Game Pass, you can log into Xbox Cloud with a free account and you can play Fortnite. That's the only game you can play for free at the moment, but Microsoft mentioned it would be adding more free-to-play games in the future, which is nice. But the long and the short of it is, now you can play Fortnite on your iPhone or iPad again, and it doesn't cost anything. What's even more interesting is that during the Apple Epic trial, documents revealed that Epic had declined to make Fortnite available on Microsoft Xbox Cloud Gaming because it saw the service as a competitor, or at least when it came to PCs. Well, now it turns out screw pcs we want to get back on the iphone so back on the iphone it is it's not the resounding victory epic had been looking for but at least it will help save tim sweeney's poor poor office chair for another few weeks if you don't enjoy the smell of burnt human flesh well good because Damn, but you might also want to steer clear of anyone wearing a Fitbit because several lawsuits have emerged claiming that Fitbits are burning wearers, which is pretty damn horrible, especially considering my wife wears a Fitbit. Fortunately, no Kentucky Fried Lady in the Doubt household yet, but still, you'll recall the Fitbit Ionic recall. Okay, that's awkwardly phrased. Anyway, now there's a new lawsuit that has emerged claiming that all Fitbits have the potential to burn you, including the Versa series, Charge series, Ionic, Sense, and more. Ironically, or appropriately as the case may be, the Fitbit Blaze is among those targeted. The lawsuit wants Fitbit to recall all of those devices, which would be expensive 
expensive and a disaster for the wearable company, which, by the way, is owned by Google. And we're also going to hope that this trend doesn't extend to other Google wearables, including the upcoming Pixel Watch as well. Whatever the case, if you're wearing a Fitbit, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But, you know, you might want to stop sleeping with it on. Or, you know, being awake with it on. At this point, I'm kind of glad my wife usually forgets to charge it, and then forgets to wear it, and then loses it for weeks at a time. And finally, the Wikimedia Foundation has stopped accepting donations in cryptocurrency, presumably because they actually want to know how much money they actually have. You can... Almost picture the whiplash in the Wikimedia accounting department. Hey, good news, everyone. We're back in the black for the next 60 seconds. Nope. Nope. Back down to red. Oh, wait. No. No. Now we can buy those new servers. No. Nope. They're gone again. There were a number of reasons why they stopped accepting crypto. It's volatility and its impact on the environment since annual crypto production consumes more energy than some countries. And it's not even real. Just like... What the hell? Anyway, if you want to donate to the Wikimedia Foundation, and by the way, if you'll recall our story from a few weeks back, that foundation is richer than hell. You can do so with your regular wallet, but not your crypto wallet. It's a small price to pay donating to a cause you believe in with, you know, actual money. But I'm confident that you can make that sacrifice. The OnePlus Nord line has always been a bit confusing to me. Different variants in different regions and all that, but now the U.S. has one variant, and it is the OnePlus Nord N20. I reviewed the Nord for digital trends, and I wanted to bring in a second opinion. And just like how there's only one Nord in the U.S., there's definitely only one of my guests who is making the third trip to the podcast. Miriam Joar, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I am doing well. It's a it's a Sunday, which is kind of weird. Um, and we had to, you know, this 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 recording is going to go up a week after we record it. The OnePlus Nord just dropped. It is on T-Mobile, and I was going to try to do this for this week, but that just didn't work out. So we're going to go to next week, and that's fine because the OnePlus Nord can wait. And um, uh, but yeah, how about you? How 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 you how you doing these days? It's Sunday. It's a beautiful day. I have a coffee in my hand. I'm about to have brunch. After we're done with this, it's gonna be a good day. I got a lot of work to do, but you know, it's starting off really nice. Like the, starting with a podcast always livens up my day. So there you go. Done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, one thing about transitioning to the full time gig at, at Digital Trends, I kind of forgotten what weekends were like, and uh, they're kind of nice. I recommend them. So if you have, if you have the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you work freelance folks, it's like you work whenever you need to work and it's cool because you can do whatever you want. If you don't want to take a break in the middle of writing and just go for a walk for half an hour, nobody's going to ask you any questions. Right. Oh, I need some more photos. Sunset is happening. Go and take photos. It's great. You can kind of combine work and play fun stuff. Yep. But at the same time, you tend to like not really work the same schedule as everyone else. Like, you know, people like you try to email people on a Saturday and nothing happens. You're like, yeah, "What, what is going on? And then you're like, oh, crap, it's Saturday. They're probably with their families doing something. Like, trust me, it's it's a weird world we live in, freelance Yeah, people. time has no meaning. But anyway, you know what does have meaning is the OnePlus Nord N20. Does so it? This does is, it really? Well, I don't know. Actually, we're, that's what we're going to find out. I'm teasing out. you now. So, like, 
when I was when I was composing my review, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, where's the OnePlus? Because, you know, when you look back at, at, at OnePlus's roots, they built, you know, flagship killing mid budget phones that had like all like a bunch of top ten top tier specs with, you know, just some uh, corners cut and then like they were flagship killers that's not this and then you know their their whole thing now their whole shtick now is like fast and smooth like everything is uh you know fast and smooth that's not this so now i'm kind of wondering like where's the oneplus in this oneplus nord n20 and uh so i want to start off let's just uh you know as we start off most of our our phone reviews here let's start off with kind of like a high level view what do you think about the nord uh the oneplus nord n20 5g exclusive to t-mobile I think it's great. I think uh, yeah. I think in the context of the U.S. market, I want to profess this because, you know, I have my audience on my podcast is like from India, Canada, Australia, Europe, and the U.S. And so, yeah. you know, they have a different perspective. They're going to tell me, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Miriam, Redmi Note 11 Pro Plus 5G, $260, and blows away the doors off the... Yes, it does. Yeah. But that's not what we have the option to get here. And you're going to say, well, you can import it. Yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to get 5G, okay, like at all. It's going to right. maybe even light up the 5G logo, but you're not going to actually get 5G. So, no. You, the nice thing about this phone is that if you're on T-Mobile, you're getting everything. 5G, mm -hmm. all the 4G bands that are really critical when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an exclusive to T-Mobile. So that's kind of a letdown a bit because, you know, there's an unlocked version coming, but we don't know the pricing. And based on OnePlus's historical 5G support in the US, it's probably not going to support AT&T 5G, but only T-Mobile right. and Verizon's. Sub six 5G, so no millimeter wave, of course. Right. Which Unless they work out fine. a deal with, uh, <laughs> if they work out a deal with Verizon, they might get a millimeter wave version, but I bet you it'd be more expensive than $282. So the price would. is, you know, the value proposition here out of the box for the US market is, I think, what uh, one of the, the strengths. And then the, the other thing is, I think, number two, pillar number two on this phone is the design. It's the mm -hmm. first time that, you know, other than the OnePlus 10 Pro, which has a really unique design too, that OnePlus has delivered something that feels like it's not an Oppo phone. You know, it's not like some Realme phone that's been reskinned. It's it's like a real. And I mean, to some extent, they've done that from time to time. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to say that up to you know, it's kind of interesting. Like. Up to the 9, or maybe the 8, 9, there was some kind of visual elements from Oppo creeping in, like the central vertical camera pod on the 8 series, for example, was an Oppo thing for a while. Yeah. The offset to the left or to the right, to the left, I think it was, vertical camera pod was also an Oppo thing for a while, on like, say, on the Nord original, um, the European one, and, and like things like that, right? But... Then we got, for example, the N200 5G last year, one of my favorite phones, and it's still a very great phone today. Uh, it's about $42 cheaper, and I think you can get it on discount. Again, a T-Mobile phone, but that one has, it, it very much looks like an Apple phone, but it has a, a color scheme that's a little more OnePlus-ish. And so, you know, I'm glad that we have this thing here, right, that has this really cool non-camera bump, camera bump, Right. Yeah. And that has this slab sided design that, by the way, Realme has been doing and Oppo has been doing the Reno 7 Pro. 
And also Xiaomi has been doing on some other phones with the Pocos and the Redmi's. So this is like a trend right now to imitate the iPhone, right? On more affordable phones to kind of give you that more premium vibe. But it's working yeah. because if you're looking at that phone, the N200 5G, I think they nailed the design. That thing looks super premium, even though it's all plastic, other than the little rings that are actually metal around the cameras in the back, the gold ones. But the detail is the chamfers on those rings, the way the display just kind of floats above the rectangular plastic slab, the, mm -hmm. you know, the little bar down there, this little thing with the IMEI, right? You see it down there? Like yeah. That little bar there that's shiny. You see how it's shiny, but the rest of the phone is kind of more of a satin finish. That yeah. that little stuff that look, like, looks like the iPhone 5, right? It just gives you like this, oh, this is unique and premium and and it feels nice in hand too. It's not crappy. So doesn't yeah. doesn't stick to fingerprints too much. I think the display could have a bit more of a um, oil repellent uh, coating on it. It seems to be just very minimal. But overall, I think it's a design win and it's a value win. And of course, there's some negatives and we can get into that. But I think that... yeah. I feel they've done a good job at making a well-balanced phone for the U.S. market that is unique and attractive and stands out. So kudos to them. And, yeah, and I like the I like I, one thing that I noted in my review is especially like how thin the phone is because you don't mm. really typically get that with it phones in this particular tier. Seven point five millimeters thin, except for the camera bump, obviously. But anyway, the point is, you know, I think they've done a good job. And then of course the specs, you know, I think they're pretty solid. But they're let down a little. What's that? Yeah, 4,500 milliamp hour battery. We got a Snapdragon 695 on the inside, 5G, along yeah. with the Adreno 619, uh, 128 gigabytes of storage base model, which is nice. Which is the same, I want to point out, to, as the OnePlus 10 Pro in the US, because we only mm -hmm. get one version. And this has six gigs of RAM, where, you know, the OnePlus 10 Pro only has eight. Uh, and right. I mean, only eight, you're going to say it's fine. Yeah, it's fine, but it's their flagship. It should really have 12 and 256, especially since the flagship doesn't have expandable storage, which is N200 5G does have. It does right. support micro SD. Um, the N200 also has 33 watt charging with a brick in the box. Hello, Apple and Samsung. Yeah, I know, right? And which is which is really great. I I tested that out. I thought it was kind of weird that it shipped with a USB A to USB C cable rather than USB C. Well, if you know the history of Oppo and BBK Group, and you look at the OnePlus phones that have previously supplied thirty or thirty-three watt charging, mm -hmm. uh, most of them came with A to C. Um, right, and so it's not unusual. It's just the way SuperVOOC works uh, at that level. But you know, going back to the specs, I feel like. These, this is a f like in my benchmarks. Well, hot hardware where I review phones, we run benchmarks. I personally don't give a crap about the benchmarks Fair. because even though I'm an engineer, I, I understand that's important because it lets us compare things, but it doesn't reflect reality, right? So, right. There, let me talk about performance in two ways here. In terms of like benchmark performance, this thing almost hits the same level of performance as the Snapdragon 765G and 750G. So, we're mm -hmm. talking about like think. Pixel 5a, think Pixel 5 even. Think um, mm -hmm. think like... Um, TCL phones. From uh, TCL, the, from well, last some year. TCL phones. Think, uh, think <laughs> uh, also um, OnePlus Nord, the original, right? So, okay. like really good performance. Um, but then there's perceived performance. How does it feel in your hand, right? And mm -hmm. so before we talk into that, we talk about the display because the display is going to influence that. So all OnePlus phones pretty much since the Nord 
uh, well, not no, 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 I would say since the 7T, really, 7, 7, 7 Pro. 7 Pro was the first one with 90 hertz. So, okay. and since then, we've had 90 or 120 hertz displays on every single OnePlus phone, including the OnePlus N100, the Nord mm-hmm. N100, which was a 4G phone that barely ticked our radar, 100 and something dollars, right? I had a 90 hertz uh, 720p LCD. So, this is the first phone from OnePlus. Since the 6 series, that mm-hmm. has a 60 hertz AMOLED. Now, it's an right. AMOLED. So, on one hand, you don't get an LCD like you did on the other Nord N series, the N10, the N200. You're getting right. an AMOLED with an in-display fingerprint sensor. Again, premium looking and Which definitely, nice. you know, yep. I know some folks prefer the LCD because, you know, it, it gives them headaches and there's that both woods modulation stuff on the AMOLEDs for low brightness. But personally, I don't have this issue, and most people don't have this issue. And if you look side by side with the N200 or the N10 display, yeah. it's night and day. Like, it's just, you want the AMOLED. But it's 60 hertz. And personally, Which, as somebody who uses high refresh rate phones all the time, I'm to the point now where I notice. And, okay. and I noticed, and more importantly, it's not just that I noticed it was running at 60 hertz. And again, this is, by now we're back at the software thing. It's right. that... There was some kind of hiccups in the animation, some drop frames and stuff. And so perceived performance, it's good. It's fine. 99% of the world out there is going to be perfectly happy. It's snappy enough. It follows you along with your stuff on the phone well. But it doesn't even feel as snappy as Oxygen OS um, 11 before it was a color OS variant right. on the N200 5G last year, which had a Snapdragon 480. So, right. so if you put those two side by side, right, N200, mm-hmm. the Snapdragon 480 running Oxygen OS original code base mm-hmm. and with 90 hertz LCD with the N20 5G, Snapdragon 695 5G with 60 hertz AMOLED and a color OS reskinned version that looks like Oxygen OS, which is what yeah. this is running, which right. they sneakily called Oxygen OS 11.3. Just 0.3 difference between the two. <laughs> if you feel them side by side, eh, it's not that different. Well, so yeah, all I the mean, benefits, all the gains you get from that Snapdragon 695, you don't really feel them. But doesn't mean no, it's bad because the N200 for a Snapdragon 480 is incredibly fast. Like it's like you wait, wait a minute, are they really having a Snapdragon 480 in that? So my point is that. There is something to be said, and I think we can have an entire additional discussion after we've talked about the hardware a bit more, about this yeah. Oxygen OS issue and the Color OS-based stuff. So if you're playing games, folks, you're not going to have any issues on this phone. Like the 695 will hold its own really nicely, sure. unless you want the best performance. But for most people playing games, you don't have any no issues. But I'm just saying that day-to-day, if you're used to something snappier, you'll notice. If you're a OnePlus fan... You'll notice if you're just the average user buying a phone from T-Mobile that's awesome and is looking good and has great value, you will not care. Well, you may not care. I, I I felt a little bit of the lagginess that you're talking about, and it could be the fact that I, I don't think it's a, the fact that it's a 60 hertz display. I think it's more just... No, I'm it's soft of... optimizations. But the 60 right. hertz, I notice it too. Like It's like that plus... And the software optimizations is, I think, a combination of the, base, the fact that it's based on ColorOS and the fact that it's a T-Mobile build, right? Like they right. didn't optimize it as well because there's probably a bunch of crud on there that T-Mobile has running in the background for probably 
you know, uh, yeah. like user experience uh, program and whatever else. And, you know, yeah. that's the problem with carrier phones. Again, like if you have a chance to buy an unlocked phones, folks, do it. Because if you're like us, a tech savvy person, early adopter, no matter what your budget is, you're going to feel a better better and have a better experience yeah. using an unlocked phone, right? If you, now, if Hashtag you don't care, bloat. you don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and, you know, the, this podcast has a longstanding tradition of not being able to see the difference between a 60 hertz display and a 120 hertz display, but that's okay. Um, I know other people can, and I'm not going to shame you for it. So, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about the software a little bit. It ships with Android, with Oxygen OS 11 based on Android 11, and OnePlus is promising one software upgrade which is less which is only awesome. going to bring us to 12 which kind of sucks because 13 is about to come out but right right do, exactly you know they do three years of os upgrades on the flagship so you you know mm -hmm. You get what you pay for. But honestly, do you need more than one for this? I don't think so. I mean, I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of getting to the point where Android is a fairly mature operating system. So, like, really incrementally, you're just getting, like, small, like, tweaks rather than, like, major feature changes. So, uh, you know, obviously, Material U would be great to have. I don't know if you're going to get it on a mid-range phone, to be honest. But beyond that, um, beyond that, like... When you're when you're talking about the differences between OS levels, you're talking about tweaks, and you are getting security updates. Three years of security updates, yeah, I think it's, yeah. they said. So the thing you're about gonna... Material U is that it gets obliterated by a lot of these skins, right? It's it's right. not like it's not, it's in there, mm -hmm. but they don't give you access to it, so you can't do the color tweaking that you want to do. Right, um, exactly. I see that a lot on on ColorOS phones, uh, Oppo and the Realme phones. I mean, Realme calls that Realme UI or whatever, but it's it's basic color os right right vivo's phone so. same thing right vivo is also bbk group but they're a little more removed they have their own build um and and they're also like you know the android 12 phones of theirs are like where is material you it's gone mm -hmm. like it, it's not there at all and and then you drill into the menus and you find that you can change the colors in one of the sub menus on these phones and that's your material you colors actually you know what i'm saying right so like right. it's like it's kind of hidden and buried in there and you know what it's like skinning phones. It's always a challenge. Like the way I look at it personally is like, I mean, I, prefer, I don't, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I prefer, I prefer like, you know, a, a moto or a, or a, a pixel yeah. a, in terms of my user experience. Um, even a Sony, like Sony's phones, you know, there's almost yeah. no skinning, right? So it's yeah. actually worse in a way than Moto because Moto gives you these cool features like the hand chop for the mm -hmm. flashlight and stuff. Um, but, uh, I'm kind of a purist that way. So ColorOS, I've gotten used to because I've played with enough BBK group phones. So when I use Oxygen OS based on ColorOS, and I think this is the thing you have to take away here from the software discussion. This is not the Oxygen OS you're used to. This is right. a, it's, it's not a bad OS. Like a lot of people are up in arms about it, but I don't think they have good reason to be. It's just that they don't like change. And yeah. they're going to say, well, we don't like change because it's worse. And I'm like, yeah, that's arguable. I think it's worse in a performance perspective. Yes, it's worse. Uh, I'm not sure it's worse from a design perspective. Like I like color. I think ColorOS has gotten, it used to be terrible, but you lose that granularity of customization that you had in Oxygen OS before. And you mm -hmm. lose that it kind of telepathic snappiness, right? That that like it follows your finger along before you can even put your finger there. It's what it feels like. That's gone. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't like that, you're gonna be mad. You're gonna be mad, bro. If you're like a OnePlus bro, okay. But at the mm. same time, for the average person who buys this phone, it's a better experience 
than a, anything. At, like performance-wise, this thing walks all over the Moto G series. Enjoying this interview? Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talked that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. And if you don't want to be a patron, that's okay too. Full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month. So, for example, trimmed interviews in January will have the full versions on February 1st. I don't want you to miss out. Just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because I still want you to love the show. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. That's benefitofthedoubt.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. Like, the, you know, and that's the thing I want to say in the U.S. here. Like, you abroad who are listening, hopefully you've got some audience abroad. You're not noticing this because you've got Xiaomi and you've got Redmi right. and Realme and and you know, uh, like Poco and, and Oppo and Vivo and all that good stuff out there. And yeah. you're like, I've got tons of $200 5G phones that kick butt. What are you talking yeah. about? But for the average customer here, they walk in T-Move store, they see this gorgeous looking phone. It has an AMOLED. It seems fast and responsive. Supports everything on Timo and it's 282 and they can get it for, get this $11 a month on a 24 month loan essentially yeah. that's uh, yeah. interest-free loan uh of course you do that like unless you have the budget to go and buy a one plus 10 pro on t-mobile right i mean yeah. and or samsung you know, or an apple and spoiler alert we will have an episode coming up probably this month talking about the united states uh, phone buying situation compared to the rest of the world because it's not great folks but this is this is a pretty good uh, this is a pretty good addition to the uh, United States arsenal. So, um, how much uh, how much have you played around with the camera? Because I actually know you're a bit of a shutter bug. Well, yeah. So, so, so we... the camera. Let's talk about the camera. Okay. Yeah. So it, we have to talk about the camera in two within two. There's three, two or three different contexts, right? Okay. Um, the context number one is this is exactly the same camera system as the Nord N10. 5G minus the ultra wide. So okay. you have to understand that that was the first time, and this is back in this November, December, 2020. So a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. that was the first time that OnePlus used the Omnivision OV3 something, uh, 64 megapixel sensor. Omnivision. Okay. Look, this is a very, this is an opinion. This is a hot take, but there are three families of sensors out there you can buy. If you're a phone manufacturer, Samsung, Sony, and Omnivision. There's okay. more, but those are the three big ones, okay? Yeah. If you have the money, you're going to buy Sony because they make the best sensors. I I know some people I, some people argue that like the high-end sensors from Samsung are super amazing. Yes, they are, but they're the exception, and they're super expensive. But of course, Samsung makes good sensors. 
they make the Galaxy S22 Ultra, which is arguably the best camera phone available today, okay? But the point is to get That's to that level, it's, well, not right. it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen on a OnePlus at $282, right? So we'll right. get this high-end Samsung sensors. Generally speaking, Sony's first, then Samsung. And then really, if you want to scrape the bottom of the barrel, you got OmniVision, okay? Okay. And I don't know why OmniVision hasn't been able to be competitive. I think it's not a hardware thing. I think all of them make great sensors in terms of hardware. I just think it's a software pipeline thing. You need an mm. imaging pipeline that's tuned to that sensor and right now if you had to pick one sensor in the world that's the best tuned and has the most software support it's the sony imx uh five what is it what are they on these days <laughs> five eight six i want to say that could be right the one that's in the nord let me look it up um that's because, in the nord okay yeah the original nord one plus nord it's oh, also the, the nord. also in the uh the eight the one plus eight so i'll tell you exactly what it is IMX. That's a 586? Yeah, 586. That's what I said. So okay. 586 yeah, yeah, is yeah. the one. 586 is the most, be it's the best tuned sensor in, in the world today. 48 megapixel sensor. It's amazing. Um, it's it's old now, but it's a good solid sensor. If you, you put, put that in a phone right now, you're going to get good photos no matter what, because no matter what software you use, it's going to kick ass. Yeah. Now, it's too expensive for this phone. They, and then regular Nords, that's what they use. And now another one is the, the IMX 766 from Sony. That's the one that's in the Nord 2 in the um, OnePlus 9 Pro last year's ultra wide. And, okay. and of course, in the Oppo Find X5 Pro and 5X3 Pro, which is the flagships from Oppo for the last two years. That is an incredible sensor too. It's also in the Realme 9 Pro Plus, which is the most affordable kick-ass camera phone in the market today. It's a $300 okay. phone with a, uh, this IMX 766 and OIS. OIS for $300 that doesn't doesn't suck is is a thing. You you can get it from Realme for 300 bucks. Anyway, this sensor, the OmniVision Blah, crap. 64 megapixel, 0.7 micron. It's got a 1.8, f uh, 1.8 lens. Uh, and no uh, autofocus, but phase detect, but kind of a shitty phase detect. Uh, and then it doesn't have OIS, of course, right? So right. That's, the, that's, that's the main camera. And it's topped off in software. And I think it's actually an OmniVision restriction because the Snapdragon 695 can totally do 4K. This is topped off at 1080p 30 of all things. Right. So, meh. now the front camera is a little better. I think it might be a Sony sensor of some kind, and it's 16 megapixel f2.4. Um, and I have one micron pixel, so it's all right. But the other two cameras are two megapixels each, and they're what I call sticker cams. Sticker cams, There yeah. might as well be stickers on the back of the phone because they're completely useless. One is a macro. You can say, oh, wait, a macro is useful. I'm like, yeah, it works. It's there, but uh, you, it's not autofocus. So you have to pick the focus, and that makes it pretty much take blurry pictures. Do you want blurry pictures at a two megapixel that don't really work in low light? That's your option. Or do you use the main sensor, hit the 2x zoom, and take a real close-up? Huh. Well, yeah. Which and choice do you have? Let's also consider, just for a moment, like we talked about the, the dual sensors on the back of the phone. This is a two megapixel camera. <laughs> That's this is macro, not a sticker. Actually. I mean, that... That's uh, that's the yeah. macro, yeah. right? It's so the top one's the main, the the second big ring is the macro, and then the tiny little one on the side is the one that right. I haven't talked about, the two megapixel monochrome sensor that nobody at OnePlus or at BBK Group still has been able to tell me if that thing is even hooked up electrically to anything. <laughs> 
Like, I don't believe yeah. it does anything whatsoever. It's, it's, it's just crazy. there to check a box, hence sticker cam. So the takeaway is the camera system, it's challenged. It's not great. It's not terrible. Mm-hmm. In daylight, that camera works well. I so, think it's yeah, pretty I, solid. I call the phone, what, I, what we say here on the podcast is the camera is like social media good, which yeah. means you can snap a photo, you can post it into, into Instagram, it's going to look great. But when you blow, blow it up to full res on a you know 32-inch monitor, you're going to start to see the pixelation and the... And, but you know, at night in, it falls apart even on your phone. Like if oh, you, well, yeah. Like that, right. but, but no, not oh, yeah. That's the thing. Like, you can find phones at this price point from other companies out there, not in the U.S. Not in but the U.S. you can that, that do a decent job in low light. So, hmm, okay. I think that this is just more of a, you know, this, again, picking an Omnivision sensor with a poor pipeline behind it. I don't think, looking at the physical specs of the sensor, 64 megapixel, 0.7 microns, it pixel bins four to one. The mi- the the large pixels are one point four micron. That thing should do just fine in low light. It's yeah, just it not processing that binning properly and very well. And so the low light pictures are very disappointing. And I'll give you mm-hmm. a point of reference. In my tests, I looked very closely between the N two hundred last year's uh, Snapdragon four eighty phone with a thirteen megapixel main sensor. Guys, we're talking mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel here. Versus this 64, which was also on the N10. And I prefer the 13. And I'll tell you why. Because it's obviously a better sensor and it's got a better imaging pipeline for it. And Mm -hmm. it's not better necessarily technically, but it takes better pictures. Basically, night mode saves your ass in low light. It's just that... I saw more blur than I'd like, even with night mode turned on, even with my steady hands, because I'm a long time mobile photographer. So that's when I worry, right? Like, I'm like, I accept the fact there's no OIS at this price point. But if you're giving me, when you're multi-stacking photos, right? That's what night Mm -hmm. mode does. And you're giving me a blurry photo out of that, that's a software issue. Like something's yeah. wrong here, right? Yeah. Like it's not, they're not blurry, blurry, but if you start looking closer, you're like, no, I'm not talking like monitor screen. I'm talking even on the phone, zoom in a little bit. And you're like, Ooh, Ooh. Yeah. I, I know. What you're and, talking and in about daytime, there. you're like, Oh, this is sharp. This is tack sharp. This is nice. So either yeah. that, or maybe autofocus is lacking in low light where it's like missing the focus just enough to give you that I blur. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah. Cause I've seen a lot but of, but again, that's the software tuning light. thing. So overall, look, I just don't want you to walk away and go, Oh, I'm not going to buy this N20 because the camera sucked as Miriam was like ranting on Adam's podcast about it for half an hour. Like she does. No, I want you to take away the fact that this, I just want to be realistic, right? The, the reality is, this is not the camera system you got on the, you know, the Nord or the Nord 2. If you, even though it's a Nord-named phone, the N-Series has always gotten a bit of a shorter deal on the camera system. And that's the reality. Right. And knowing what Oppo, Vivo, you know, Realme, BBK Group in general is able to do at this price point on some of their phones sold in India, I'm like, uh, come on, guys. You can do better than this Omnivision sensor. I'm- right. So the one thing... The one thing I wanted to touch on with the camera before we before we move on and actually start to wrap up because I think we're uh, just about uh, the amount of time that I said I would keep you. But um, the one thing that I the one thing I really found disappoint not disappointing but just it was it seemed like a bad design for some reason. But having the macro as a separate mode as opposed to like just something that would kick in with AI, I actually ruined quite a few photos. 
having accidentally slipped into macro mode in, instead of like, you know, photo mode when I was, you know, just snapping pictures and I didn't even notice it until I went back to review the photos. I'm like, oh, these are like garbage um, because they were taken with the with the macro sensor. So I would have liked to see OnePlus build in a different way to switch over to the macro sensor rather than just having it, you know, as a separate mode. So, but that's the only other, that's the only thing. As long as, long as you're careful, then, then you'll be okay. But, um, all right. So then why don't we go ahead and start to wrap things up here a little bit? Um, sure. So we, we already t- kind of talked about, so I guess the question is, if you're in the U.S., if you're a T-Mobile subscriber, and if you're looking for a, for a budget phone, this is probably a good one to go for. That's what I've kind of taken away from this conversation. Is that kind of yeah? Uh, there's a lot of caveats, just, but is that where we are? The question <laughs> you have to ask yourself is: uh, Do you want? Do you, can you live with an LCD but get 90 hertz, or do you and and maybe a lesser spec processor like you? So, so basically, the, the question is: I should pull back. N200 or N20 is the question. $240 okay. for the N200, $282 for the N20. And you probably could get a better deal on the N200 because it's almost a year old now. But they're both really great phones. The nice thing about the N200, the cheaper one, is that you get an LCD at 90 hertz. So you get the 90 hertz. Mm-hmm. And you get Oxygen OS 11 point something, which is not the color OS based version so it's still a little more responsive more optimized right mm-hmm. but you get a snapdragon 480 which is uh, and the camera i think is a wash now okay. you don't get a you don't get 13 uh sorry 33 watt charging you don't get you know there's a few other things you don't get but both have nfc which by the way the moto g still don't have nfc in the u.s like wow and what's up with that um, oh. No and, wireless charging either, which I was a little disappointed by. You know, both both are pretty similar. And then if you want the AMOLED and you want a slightly better processor for games um, and you want that faster charging, I think then the, you know, having the N20, the one we're talking about today is, is the no-brainer. So that's the question you should ask yourself if you're in that position. And of course, you know, the design. Like the, I think the design of the N20 is way cooler than the N200, although the N200 has a gradient, which looks really cool. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, that's the question you ask yourself. And most importantly, um, you know, in the, at the end of the day, it's like, how much more updates are you going to get? The N200 is already a year old. Yeah. So. And it's supposed to get one software update, so it's probably going to get ColorOS-based Android 12 soon. And that might actually reduce its performance quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, that's the advice I can give you at this point. I would probably yeah. pick the 20 just because it's got a longer shelf life ahead of yeah, itself. I would say so. This is a phone that in the U.S. would normally cost close to $400 spec-wise, you know, for this market. Like it okay. would never sell to customers for that cost because <laughs> you have to remember <laughs> people, everybody subsidizes everything. Mm-hmm. And you know that, you know, I think Sasha Segan's always on top of this on his articles on PC mag. It's like, there's this malaise of pricing in this price point in the U S like people are just going to spring the money and buy a flagship. So you can't find anything in the $500 range. that's any good. Like right. we don't really have that. That category exists abroad. That's the Nord, the original Nord, the Nord Two. Like you know, the category that gave us the Pixel Five A. That category doesn't exist in the U.S. Really, right? I mean, yeah. Pixel Five A. Honestly, if you can spring extra money, buy a Pixel Five A. Agree. Timo and 
it's infinitely better than this. Like, I agree. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not as good as a flagship flagship, but it's so close to a flagship flagship that, yeah. Or maybe the Pixel 6a, which maybe we'll see at Google I.O. We'll have Well, to that's see. coming, and hopefully it's going to be affordable and pack some some solid punch. But, you know, I've, ah, the proof is in the pudding, right? I think right. what the, made the 5a so special is that it's running, again, a sensor that's four years old. It's super well-tuned. I've argued good, before, yeah. and I'm going to argue here again, that you take better photos of the 5a than the 6 and 6 Pro. Oh, all right, there's a saucy take for you. It's so, only in certain conditions, but I'm just saying, like, if you main sensor wise, the tuning for non zoomed photos, like you take a 1x photo on a 5A in the same conditions as a 1x photo on the 606 Pro, the 5A will take a better photo today. Well, anyway, uh, so, so Miriam, this is the part where I'm going to go ahead and roll out the red carpet for you so you can tell my listeners how to find you. Although, as I've said with other guests before, if they, if they found me, chances are they know where to find you. But go ahead and uh, <laughs> let's let everybody know. Well, thank you so much. Um, so my main gig is my podcast, mobiletechpodcast.com. You should check it out. It's a weekly show. Uh, I've had Adam on a few times. Yes. And, uh, you know, then I write... Uh, I'm a freelance journalist and I write phone reviews for hothardware.com and for uh, geekspin.com. And I write uh, car reviews and car first impressions uh, for techradar.com. So look for my name, Miriam Joir, on these three uh, platforms for my writing. And then, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, there's also a couple of YouTube channels, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast and uh, the kind of matching youtube.com slash mobile tech more you should look at those are a uh, complement to the podcast visuals that go alongside because the podcast is audio only but like adam there's a video version of the podcast you can get Excellent. but i suggest you support me on patreon for that patreon.com slash tankerl that's patreon.com slash t-n-k-g-r-l so when you're done subscribing to the podcast at mobiletechpodcast.com check out the patreon because you can get a tier that lets you access before everyone else before the public version the video version of the show which is less edited a little more funky and raw and fun and then uh, there's other tiers. I have a Discord server and stuff. So check that out. Uh, Twitter, my handle is Tank Girl. Like it's everywhere else. T-N-K-G-R-L. Think the comic book character Tank Girl. Drop all the vowels. That's me. Instagram as well. Same thing, Tank Girl. So chat with me on Twitter. Look at my pretty photos and chat with me on Instagram. Love it. Love it and very saucy. So thank you very much for hopping on here and telling, talking all about the OnePlus Nord N20. And I'm sure it will be no time at all before we have you on again. Thanks again. Absolutely. I'd love to have you back on. This is me on Instagram. Ta-da. Look at that. Pretty pictures of very familiar phones. It is. It is. <laughs> I love it. So. Thanks for having me, Adam. It's a pleasure. Let's yeah. do it again sometime. Yeah. 
So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. If you want some early access, jump on to Patreon at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. You can write to the show by visiting benefit of slash contact. I'd like to thank Miriam Joar for coming on and talking all about the Nord N25G and to co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.